Samani frequently comments on the Quranic verse, he loves them, God loves them, and they love him, 554. Nothing other than human beings can love God with a full love, since nothing else can know God with full knowledge. I quote, God created every creature in accordance with the demand of power, but he created Adam and his children in accordance with the demand of love. He created other things inasmuch as he is powerful, but he created you inasmuch as he is a lover. Though the manifestations of Adam's greatness depends upon the outward dimension of his being, that is called clay, the true center of his glory lies in the innermost dimension of his being, which is known as heart. For the heart is where God looks, and where love for God is born. I quote, The place of love is the heart, and the heart is pure gold, the pearl of the breast's ocean, the ruby of the innermost mystery's mind. The divine majesty polishes the the heart by gazing upon it, and the burnisher of the unseen places its mark upon the heart so that it might become bright and pure. The traces of the lights of the beauty of unqualified love appear in the mirrors of pious hearts. Human love subsists through God's love. Now love, it needs to be remembered, can never be separate from pain and anguish. Rumi, again, is the great spokesman for this position. The lover yearns for his beloved, and the more difficult the beloved is to reach, the greater the lover suffers. The goal of love is union, and the divine attributes that bring about union are those of mercy and gentleness. But just as love demands union, so also demands separation. There can be no love without testing. True love proves itself by becoming more intense when the beloved is far away. Hence the lover must experience the effects of the names of wrath and severity, since it is these names that demand God, God's distance. In this world and in hell, the effect of these divine names is affliction, pain, and suffering. I quote again, From the throne down to the earth, no love whatsoever is sold, except in the house of human grief and joy. There were many sinless and pure angels in the court, but only this handful of dust was able to carry the burden of this body-melting, heart-burning verse. He loves them, and they love him. Love is a divine quality that correlates with God himself, who is both beautiful and majestic, merciful and wrathful, gentle and severe, near and distant. The angels are cut off from God's love since they cannot taste true distance, while the beasts are cut off from love since they cannot taste true nearness. But human beings are woven from nearness and distance. All conflicting attributes are brought together within the human substance. Only they can truly love God, within whom all opposites coincide. As Samani says, in the 18,000 worlds 
No one drank down the cup that holds the covenant of they love him, except human beings. Human beings are the crown of God's creation, since they manifest the full range of the divine attributes. Without them, says Samani, the world would be a terribly uninteresting place. I quote, Before Adam was brought into existence, there was a world full of existent things, creatures, formed things, determined things, but all of it was a tasteless stew. The salt of pain was missing. When that great man walked out from the hiding place of non-existence into the wide open desert of existence, the star of love began to shine in the heaven of the breast of Adam's clay. The sun of loverhood began to burn in the heaven of Adam's innermost mystery. What made Adam great was the fact that he carried the burden of the trust. The trust which had been offered to heaven and earth, and everyone refused. For Samani, that trust is precisely love for God. Only Adam knew the secret of love, since it was the underlying cause of his own existence. He knew that his love could not be nurtured and strengthened until he tasted the pain of separation and severity. Hence he ate the forbidden fruit. I quote, In keeping with God's munificence and generosity, Adam was sent into paradise, and he sat upon the pillow of mightiness. The whole of paradise was put under his command, but he did not look at it, since he did not see an atom of grief or of the reality of love. He said, oil and water don't mix. God was party, of course, to Adam's disobedience, since God had made Adam for the vicegerency, the essence of which is love. And the essence of love is yearning and heartache. As Samani remarks, that Lord, who was able to protect Joseph from, from committing an ugly act, could have prevented Adam from tasting of the tree. But since the world has to be full of tumult and affliction, what could be done? When God offered the trust to the heavens, the earth, and the mountains, they all refused since they did not know the secret of love. But Adam, as a lover, thought only about his beloved. Hence, he did not bother to look at his own incapacity, even though the trust was a heavy burden that was feared by the whole of creation. Again, I quote, The poor polo ball in the field, caught in the bend of the stick, it runs on its own head, sent by the hands and the feet of the players. If it reaches this one, a stick. If it reaches that one, a stick. A frail handful of dust was placed in the bend of the polo stick. The Almighty's severity. The ball rushes from the beginning of the field, the beginningless divine will, to the end of the field, the endless divine desire. At the front of the field, a banner is set up. He shall not be questioned as to what he does, but they shall be questioned. This is Quran 21.33. At the back of the field stands a second banner. He, God, does what he desires. Again, Quran. But a bargain was struck with the ball. You look at the gaze of the sultan. 
not at the striking of the stick. Those who looked at the striking of the stick fled from the court. They refused to carry the trust. Quran 33, 72. Then Adam, with the liver of a lion, lifted up that burden. As a matter of course, he reaped the fruit. The heaven and the earth saw today's burden, but Adam saw tomorrow's royal court. He said, if I do not carry this burden, I will not be shown into the court of majesty tomorrow. Like a man, he jumped at the task. Hence, he became the point of the compass of mysteries. In truth, in truth, the seven heavens and the earth have not smelt a whiff of these words. The mark of the lover is his high aspiration. The lover strives only for the beloved, who is God. And in order to reach the beloved, he has to turn his gaze away from everything in creation, even if it be paradise. I quote, Adam had aspiration in his head. He took and gave through his own aspiration. Whenever human beings reach something, they reach it through aspiration. Otherwise, through what is found in their own makeup, they would not reach anything at all. When Adam was first brought into existence, the angels prostrated themselves before him and the name of kingship and vicegerency was recorded in the proclamation of his covenant. The eight paradises were given to him, and him alone. O Adam, says the Quran, dwell you and your spouse in the garden. Adam's boundless aspiration mounted him on the horse of love like a sultan. He took the arrow of uniqueness from the quiver of detachment, and pulled back the bow as far as it would go. He shot the beautiful peacock of paradise, which was strutting in the garden of everlastingness. He knew that this was the path of the detached, the work of those with high aspiration, and the court of those brought near to God. Time, space, entities, effects, traces, shapes, existent things, and objects of knowledge must be erased completely from in front of you. If any of these cling to your skirt, the name of freedom will not sit upon you. And as long as you do not become free, you can never be a true servant of God. Love, then, means to be free of everything in the created world for the sake of God. It is to serve God, nothing else. And only human beings are given a makeup which allows them to serve God in his infinite, all-comprehensive reality, embracing the attributes of both beauty and majesty, gentleness and severity. Samani tells us that God addresses the angels and human beings as follows. Oridwan, the angel in charge of paradise. Oridwan, paradise belongs to you. O Malik. Hell belongs to you. O Carabim, the throne belongs to you. <clears throat> o you with the burnt heart, you who carry the seal of my love, you belong to me, and I belong to you. If human beings are to aspire to God, they need to be able to differentiate between God and everything else. Hence the key to human love and perfection 
is a discerning heart, one that sees God in the midst of the confusing multiplicity of creation and clings to him alone. Adam provides the model for such a lover, since he was not deceived even by paradise. Samani says, in reality, love has taken away the luster of both worlds. In the world of servanthood, paradise and hell have no value. But in the world of, excuse me, in the world of servanthood, paradise and hell both have value. But in the world of love, the two are not worth a dust boat. They gave the eight paradises to Adam the Chosen. He sold them for one grain of wheat. He placed the goods of aspiration on the camel of good fortune and came down to the world of heartache. Adam, according to Samani, had to go to paradise in order to see the best in creation. Having seen it, then he could measure its worth against his own beloved. Again, I quote, The root of every business is the discernment of value. The sultan of Adam's aspiration sat on the horse of his majestic state. Then he rode into the garden to measure its worth. In jurisprudence, there is a difference of opinion as to whether or not a person can buy something that he has not seen. But there is no difference of opinion as to the fact that you cannot judge the value of something without seeing it. Oh, Adam, what is entering paradise worth to you? Adam replied, For someone who fears hell, paradise is worth a thousand lives. But for someone who fears you, paradise is not worth a grain. Hence the wisdom in taking Adam to paradise was to make manifest his aspiration. Now once Adam saw that paradise had no value, he naturally decided to leave. But God had given it to him as his own domain. The only way to get out quickly was to break God's commandment and suffer his displeasure. Samani puts it like this. When Adam reached for the grain of wheat, it is not that he did not know what it was. On the contrary, he knew. But he made his own road short. Again, by God the Tremendous, they placed the worth of paradise on Adam's palm. There was no bride more beautiful among all the existent things than paradise. It had such a beautiful face and such a perfect adornment. But the ruling power of Adam's aspiration entered from the world of the unseen jealousy. He weighed the worth of paradise in his palm, and he placed its value in the scales. Paradise began to shout, I cannot put up with this brazen man. Oh, chivalrous use. If tomorrow you go to paradise, and you look at it from the corner of your heart's eye, in truth, in truth, you will have fallen short of Adam's aspiration. Something that your father sold for one grain of wheat. Why would you want to settle down there? Human love grows up out of need, niyaz. Need 
as Sam Ali puts it, is a fire in the heart, a pain in the breast, and dust on the face. If you have something, of course, then you do not need it, and you will not desire to reach it. God possesses all perfections in himself, so the only ones that can love him are those who possess no perfections whatsoever. To the degree that someone sees himself as positive and good, he will not be able to love God. The more there is self-satisfaction, the less there will be love. The secret of Adam's love for God was that he saw himself as nothing. When a person who sees himself as having nothing of his own, when a person sees himself as having nothing of his own, he will need others to keep body and soul together. If a person says that he has no needs, then he is claiming wealth and independence. But this is an empty claim. Since the things of the universe have nothing of their own, whatever they have in appearance is in truth borrowed from God. Hence the Sufis often refer to the path of aspiration as poverty. Since the poor are those who are needy toward God. As the Quran puts it, O people, you are the poor toward God. And God, he is the rich, the praiseworthy. Samani quotes a great Sufi on the question of poverty and need. Sahlid ibn Abdullah Tustari said, I looked at this affair and I saw no path that takes one nearer to God than need, and no veil thicker than making claims. Look at the path of Iblis, says Samani, and you will see nothing but making claims. Then look at the path of Adam, and you will see nothing but need. Oh, Iblis, what do you say? I am better than he. Oh, Adam, what do you say? Our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. God brought all the existent things out from the cover of non-existence into the open plain of his decree. But the plant of need grew only in earth. When this handful of earth was molded, it was molded with the water of need. It had everything. But it had to have need as well, so that it would never cease weeping before God's court. Adam's makeup was molded of need, and he received help in need. The angels had to prostrate themselves before him, and he was placed on the throne of kingship and vicegerency. So the angels near to God were placed next to Adam. But Adam's need did not decrease by a single dust mote. He was taken to paradise, and this proclamation was made, Eat thereof easefully, you two, wherever you desire, as the quarrel again. The eight paradises belong to you, wander freely as you wish. But his poverty did not disappear. Adam's need distinguishes him sharply from all other creatures who are satisfied with what they have. But Adam can never be satisfied since he desires the infinite. I quote, They say that in the guarded tablet it is written, Adam, do not eat the wheat. And in the same play it is written that he ate it. 